Thanks for joining us for Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we'll drop episodes with advice, tips, and a real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communications strategist, and I once mistakenly thought my dental hygienist was coming in for a hug. She was just reaching for her schedule. I then had to contort into a fake stretch to cover. I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business, and I recently found the resonant frequency of my skull by humming while using an electric toothbrush. (laughs) On today's show, we're going to discuss communication issues. Huh? And talk to a couple just beginning their work together journey. Then at the end of the episode, we're going to stop by the Couples Inc. water cooler. So without further ado, let's get started with episode five of Couples Inc. For today's big topic, we're going to talk communication. And yeah, we are experts in communication. It's even in the name of our business, Living Pink Communications. But when it comes to communicating with each other, that's a totally different skill set. What do you mean? Well, it's not the same as when we can communicate a brand for our clients yeah, that's quite true. easily. That's very true. Not that we don't communicate well. We do. But there are times when the skill set needs to, I guess, or our skills need to be honed a little bit better to be able to communicate with each other. And hopefully, you know, others will learn from our mistakes. This may sound sexist, but do you think, well, no sentence or no topic ever begins that with that, just, does it? It does not end well. It's not good. But no. I'm going to plow into it anyway and put the other foot in. Do you think that's a genetic thing, like a guy-girl thing? You know, I, I think sometimes it's it's not a man-woman genetic kind of thing, but sometimes there are some misconceptions. It goes back to that old joke of the couple in a car, and the girl goes, oh, you know, it's our three-month anniversary today. Oh, yeah. And he's quiet. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, he, Ooh, he, yeah. Have I, have I, you know, he doesn't like me the way I like him. And what's got all these things about doubt, it's the relationship. Soon. It's too soon to have even mentioned anniversary. What am I thinking? While he's over there silent, he's actually saying, huh, three months. When was the last time I got my oil changed? I should probably get my oil changed. So it's an old joke of like, She misunderstands him, and he wasn't actively listening to what she was doing, and so there's that's where the misunderstanding comes. So it's not necessarily sexist, but there are plenty of jokes, and they're sometimes based in reality about the mysteries of communicating between men and women. In the guy's defense, though, you do have to listen with one ear to the people that are in your car, or the person that's there, and the other to the engine. That's true. You got talks to you all the time. You know, one of the challenges to listening is to learn how to listen actively versus listening passively. And your illustration a minute ago of the guy that's driving along, he's listening passively. That's obvious. Yeah, he didn't hear what she was saying. He was poke focusing entirely. He might have heard it, but he wasn't. It wasn't getting in. Yeah, he wasn't all there in in, in the mental state. And right. I don't mean like he was crazy or anything, but maybe he was. Maybe that same story ends up with them driving off a cliff because he's just... That's true. We never hear the full ending of this. On the dark side of the moon. Yeah. But that, again, going dark. I know it's spooky season. Dark side of the moon. (laughs) But but anyway, so yeah, I see what you're saying. There is a difference because you can hear somebody, but are you listening to what they're saying truly? Yeah. Passive listening is like hearing. Mm -hmm. You know those times when you pick up a conversation on a sort of a subliminal level, but you're not really eavesdropping. 
it becomes part of the ambience, part of everything else that's going on, so that your brain treats it like it's temporary information. Even if the person is conversing with you, not like someone at another table, you may be listening or, yeah, hearing, but not actively listening. Yeah. And I think part of that may be because we're so overstimulated by everything else these days. And that's been happening for some time. But especially now, I think I feel like during the pandemic, we're sort of in an alert state to where that becomes kind of the default thing about you. And you're really doing more of that gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of lost ordinary. our ability to talk to people in some ways as well and listen. The heck you mean? Yeah. I talk well, to I think, you fine. I think you do. You talk You talk fine. I I think, too, you you can in, have the best of intentions of listening actively. Mm-hmm. But when you say something, like when you're talking to me and you say something and and maybe – Oh, back to that joke. It's She says, we've been seeing each other three months. That's what it was. So seeing each other three months, and that's when he starts thinking about when was the last time I had my oil changed. When you say something that triggers my, or my mind or our, someone's mind to think of something else, mm-hmm. your mind starts to wander. That interrupts the listening, and you find yourself kind of someplace else, and then you come back into the conversation, and have you really understood exactly what they've said? So what you say is either ignored altogether by the other person, or it's forgotten too quickly. Mm-hmm. So that leads to absolute chaos and anarchy. Chaos, anarchy. Um, so what is, what's a way that we can try to listen more actively is it just a case of being present? Is it trying to find a way to focus so like my mind doesn't wander when someone says something that triggers like, oh yeah, that reminds me, I have to do this. Is, you know, in some of the stuff you've read, is there anything that like techniques or tips to do? I think being present is part of it, but even then, that is so easy to sort of just just populate a space mm-hmm. and not be uh, present in the moment. And that's something that really, I think, is a bigger part of society. A bigger part of what our culture is about is, you know, the uh, the American way, quote-unquote, the acquisition of things. And part of that is the acquisition of what's next. Mm-hmm. Always looking forward to the next thing, whether it's our next thought, our next car, anything next in between. Text, checking our phones. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And I know that for me... I don't so much focus on what's next. Sometimes I just get a thought and I can't help but start following down the Mm -hmm. rabbit hole with it. And a lot of times ideas will come from that that I can use later on. Right. There are times when we'll be in a client meeting and it's, I call it his idea face. We'll be talking about something and say the client is requesting an ad or some, some kind of campaign. And we're taking notes, and I really want Glenn to listen to all of these notes. And this isn't a criticism, because really, you do get into a creative space almost immediately, and we end up using some of those things later. But I just look at him like, he's got idea face. Ugh, he's not listening to the details. He's already come up with, you know, he's coming up with the execution or the campaign, or he's thinking about what content to create. And I do that too sometimes, where I'm like, ooh, where can we do this? What's the strategy behind that? It's it's kind of hard when you're excited about what you do yeah. to stop. When you do it, though, I know that your brain is 
sophisticated enough that it can listen to what the client is continuing to say and then keep track of that idea. Oh, thank you. And I don't know how you do that. Maybe I'm just a binary thinker and you're a well, I take whatever notes. the opposite of binary is. Yeah, the active part Plur- of writing. Plurilary. What is it now? Plurilary. Plurilary. Plural? I don't know. <laughs> multi-airy? Multi-airy, yes. <laughs> um, I, I think part of it is taking notes. I've read somewhere that, you know, in Eve or even doodling, when you're in a meeting or you're on a call, doing something like that allows your brain to, to focus better. And so I take notes. Even if I know what's going on, I write down notes because I'm actively listening as I write it down. Or again, the act of doodling somehow... I don't know, somehow affects the brain where you can listen or at least be kind of in engaged. See, I can't do that. If I'm doodling, I'm in the doodle. You're in the doodle. Yeah. You are in the doodle. And it'll be a, a complete, after a while, I've painted a complete mural on the wall and everybody's yelling at me. <laughs> I actually apparently can look like I'm thinking really, you know, smartly about something because I was in a brainstorming session and and I'm writing, you know, my pen's moving like crazy and and the creative director goes, "All right, Spears, what do you got?" And I was like, "Um, I've got my name in bubble letters <laughs> and I've got that three-dimensional square everyone draws Aren't those and I'm great. I know, they're great. They and then you can shade the, them sometimes. And it's almost like an Escher thing. Yes. So which way is it going? Which way is it going? Cuz yeah. you can look at So yeah, I was he's like Oh, he goes. I thought you were writing in some ideas. I'm like, uh, no. And I just, I just started a flower. So, um, but yeah, taking notes is kind of a a good, um, helpful way to get to stay focused. And that's sort of what I do when I'm listening and things like that. But it is, it is hard not to let your your mind wander. And it's it, it is a skill. I think, I think it's kind of like short form writing, long form writing. It's like long form listening. We mm-hmm. have to kind of train ourselves to sit there and say, okay, I can be patient and listen. I don't have to check my phone. I don't have to know what's going on. It doesn't have to be in bite size. And that's a kind of an acquired skill. Kind of to bounce off of your active listening, patience is part of that as well. And that is something that I struggle with because we have this problem. This is one of our communication challenges that we have is that I tend to jump to conclusions. You're getting ready to ask me something and I think I know what you're going to ask me. Yeah. And then I answer it and you're like, no, wait, just a second. Let me say it. And it's... I don't think I use those exact words. You may... It's a variation of those words. Yes. Not safe for work. (laughs) Not safe for work. Nothing rude, but just... It's like I... I just... I want to save time, be efficient or something. I don't know. But I will jump to conclusions. Jump to conclusions. uh, Like that game from Office Space. Um, I just feel like I want to save some time. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're going to ask. And it usually isn't right. Or it may be a variation of it. And I just have to learn patience to say, okay, let's have him say everything. Let's have him say everything? <laughs> what, am I your puppet all of a sudden? Let's listen while he... Not that while, that's a bad thing. I know. Let's listen while he says everything. Because for sometimes you may know exactly what I'm going to say or I may know exactly what you're going to say. But sometimes you need to say it. And that, by allowing that person the chance to say it, even if you think you know what their answer is, gives them time to breathe, to think, think it through. And it's kind of, you know, so I just kind of learned respect. So I you think gotta, that's... you got to give me time to warm up. Exactly. I'm like a prize fighter. <laughs> you know, you hear the Rocky theme, you know that I'm about to express something that's more than two or three words or just a simple grunt. 
So I've got to give you that time. Do, you got to you work your me, way in. Yeah, you see me shadow boxing, you know it's coming. <laughs> I got to give you that. So yeah, I think that's my my patience is I've got to stop and let you, you know, maybe you need to think it through, talk out loud or something like that. So I think, so a combination of like kind of honing your long form listening, being patient and being present kind of all helps as I, far as being yeah, that listener. I think you're right. I'd like to speak freely for a second. Now I feel fulfilled. Now you feel fulfilled. According to Psychology Today's website, which we'll put in the show notes, the link for this, uh, the four traits, there are four traits for active listening. Okay. One is curiosity. Mm -hmm. One is motivation. Mm -hmm. One is purpose. And one is effort. Those you put into the topic at hand. Curiosity. That's, I think, you should always maintain curiosity. And I mm. like the fact that that is one of the things they listed. Yeah. Motivation. Tell me what that what you think, what they were meaning about motivation. Is that because you you want to find the information out? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so and you it, just, it you're, what what you feel says. more motivated to hear the outcome or get the information from the person. Yeah. And that kind of springs from curiosity. Curiosity. So you're curious about what they're saying. You're motivated to hear more. Mm -hmm. Purpose and effort. So what did they say about those? Well, the purpose is kind of, once again, Mm self-explanatory. Your purpose for listening to me right now is that it's not just like you want me to be finished talking. It's I want want you to to feel you've expressed yourself and I want to gain something. Yeah. You need to gain knowledge without eating my brain. Right. Eat your brain and gain That's always good. Effort's probably the hardest. It does require work. And I think that's another facet of it that that they may have meant to put in the article but didn't. It's harder work for us to really be engaged actively in a conversation. And it sounds like a real easy thing to do. But unless you have some sort of a motive that is like curiosity Mm -hmm. or purpose, then really focusing in and listening is harder work than just sitting there nodding your head and letting your mind wander. Right. Let's talk about the flip side of this. Mm. Yes, we've talked about listening actively. You also, in communication, have to express what you really mean or want. I think that's something that if you go back to our discussion with Charlie Simpson, sometimes disagreements happen when you say something, but it's really not what you're upset about. There's yeah. something else. You haven't been totally, you know, honest and you haven't used, you know, I guess you haven't expressed yourself as effectively and said your truth. Like, it's not about missing a deadline. It's about disrespecting mm-hmm. me. It's not about this. It's about or just in general, just good things, expressing yourself completely about that. I will say, though, as much as I say, you know, be honest what are you truly trying to express? Look at it, you know, when you're having a conversation, express what you really want and mean. Sometimes being honest may not be the best thing. I.e., when, say, your wife is looking at you dreamily. I know where this is going. And because, you you know, you look like you're deep in thought. And she says, what you thinking about? I'm thinking you're going to say, oh, I'm thinking about us and, uh, you know, what a great Saturday we're going to have. And what were you thinking about? Well, I was thinking about the Quaker Oats dude. 
Yeah, yeah. Quaker Oats. But I was, was like, le- legit. I mean, it's not like I think about that all the time. I'm not obsessed or trying to form a cult of Quaker Oats. But you know, who is that guy? Is he real? Was he based on a real person, or was it just like some you know kind of conglomeration of people that represent the Quaker Oats or, or the Quaker way of life? Or I don't know. He was, looks like a Quaker. Yes, it was, but it was very startling when is I'm it, thinking. Or, is it really startling that that would come from? Me? No, it's not. I mean, never would I have predicted that's what you're going to say. But I'd rather you be honest than try to be all, oh, just you and how much I love you. You know, if you if you weren't, but it is kind of weird that you thought of the Quaker Oats guy. Nothing at that is better for thee than honesty from me. <laughs> the Quaker. Quaker Oats guy. <laughs> did the Quaker Oats guy say that? In he your mind, did he? In, in he some, are you attributing it to him? I don't know. Oh, and just as a reminder, Quaker Oats is not a sponsor. But they could be. They could be. Quaker Oats, batter <laughs> up. He's thinking about you. Let's see what we can put on the front burner there. Eugene and Darcy are a couple who recently started working together as financial planners. We talked with them about the ways that they work together and some of the challenges that they face every day. One of the first things that we wanted to cover is just what made you to decide ultimately to work together? So I think this is probably a better question for her to answer because she was in a job transition and then we can really kind of talk about it. We've been talking about it for years now. So uh, when I started first part-time and then eventually full-time 12 years ago, we've always talked about this coming about. This just ended up being the right timing. I think we both came to the agreement that this, this was the opportunity. This was the time. We've talked about it for 12 years. Like here we are, we need to do this. And if we don't do this now, I think it was probably never going to happen. That is so funny because it kind of reminds me of when Glenn and I, um, Glenn had his own business and I worked for someone else. And at the time they were restructuring and my job was going to change significantly. And I thought, you know, I'm not really interested in the direction they're going. Maybe this is a time for me to start something different. We started our communications company, and he, you know, joined me in that. But it was, it was like, you think about it, but then sometimes you just need that extra push, some mm-hmm. kind of catalyst that happens with your your situation. And I'm sure we're not the only ones who've had that happen, where you have some kind of some kind of outside force makes you think about what you've been wanting to do all along, and pushes you in that direction when you're used to a job with quote-unquote stability it's tough to sometimes take that leap of faith in the risk not only as a as business owners do you face challenges as a couple were you worried at all about the challenge of working so closely together because we often hear what you work together how do you do do you do that i'm like well we like each other (laughs) but it's like that's sort of like this first response did you guys worry about that um Certainly, I I actually in my in my previous job there were quite a few couples, family members, people that worked together um, at our company in our facility, and I was always I mean they would eat lunch together every day, and I think you go home, you live with each other, then you come to work and you still eat lunch together and like spend all day long together, and it was a little uh, strange to me. I mean, we had gotten used to it's funny to say, but we really had gotten used to um, the schedule and routine that we had, where he was out in the evenings doing appointments. You know, we were shifting duties on kids and you know activities. 
but we didn't see each other a lot. There was a period of time, years really, where, you know, there wasn't, you know, we would certainly schedule date nights and things like that to reconnect, but there wasn't a lot of um, days where we were just spending the day together. But it's been nice. It really has. We've been able to, you know, have lunch together while the kids are at school. We've been able to run errands. We've been able to get things done that we wouldn't have normally been able to get done. So I, it, it really has been enjoyable so far. Yeah, I was going to agree. Uh, so, <laughs> Good answer. Uh, yeah, I always agree with everything she says, right? So uh, delineating responsibilities for each of us, though, I think was really helpful as well, right? So there were parts of the business that because of her background in project management and operations and, and things like that, that I knew she could do like really well at and take that off my plate. I think being able to delineate those roles and keeping those really clear um, allows for us in the business side of things not to be on top of each other. So then we can enjoy that personal side a lot more as well. So what surprised you probably the most from either from a work standpoint or a relationship standpoint? I don't know that there was any surprises necessarily um, other than knowing that we now have this extra flexibility and we can spend more time to get like, I don't know that we were expecting that necessarily. Um, and the positive side of things, um, the really have, I mean, I don't know. There haven't really been too many negatives. You know, at this point, I mean, it all seems easy because, you know, she has the flexibility to do what she needs to. She's taken off a few of those things off of my plate. Um, and so things are just growing faster and, and I think it's all good. Well, hey, Jody, welcome to the water cooler. Hey, Glenn. It's great to be here. Yeah. I really enjoy hanging out with you at the water cooler. Nope, oh, the official Couples Inc. water cooler. All right, there you go. It's, it is official now. I wanted to talk with you about fire. By the water cooler. That seems opposite and wrong. Well, but go it's ahead. actually balanced because it's two of the four elements. There you go. I'm sucking the air out of the room. Uh... And we're driving this podcast into the earth. So... <laughs> But fire in the fireplace is kind of a, it's not a very common thing in our region of the country. We don't really get into hardcore winter very often. Right. We have like um, first summer, second summer, third summer, Christmas. Those are our four seasons. that, That sounds accurate. And so when we do build a fire, I kind of take advantage of the times that I did it before when my dad taught me how to do it and put that knowledge to work, and I kind of obsess over it. It's like I can't sit down and enjoy the fire for worrying about it and trying to fret over it. That is true. You kind of make me nervous how many times you get up and you, I mean, not nervous like anything's bad, but I'm like, we're sitting there watching whatever movie or TV show, or and you start the fire, and that's great. And then a few minutes later, you get up and you start tinkering with it. And then, you know, it just, it's just, it's this constant. And I'm like, I pause the show, but then I realized at some point, I'm like, he's not even really listening I'm or watching the show. I'm not tinkering. That is called tending the fire. So, I'm sorry, tending, not yes, tinkering. it's important that you recognize the difference. <laughs> There's a whole lingo. Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah. It's like that scene from Castaway where he has created fire. And it's just, you have those mini moments of like, I have conquered this element. I'm going to grow my beard like that dude. You uh, no, I wouldn't. It's it's dangerous near the fire. What if I braid it? 
if you braid it, then that's okay. You can yeah. put it aside away from the fire. But um, but yeah, you. It is so cute seeing you. I'm sorry. It is so handsome. You are so handsome when um, manly. you are. Yeah, so manly when you yeah. are so proud of your um, of your fire. That's good. Yeah, it is. It is very rare that we get a lot of you know a lot of cold nights and that we you know that we want the fire going and i do really enjoy just the the coziness of it now i have to say i do not like coats though and you always make fun of me because we will go out and i will have layers and layers but i i don't i don't wear a coat because it's just too particularly a puffy one it's too constricting and i can't drive and i just i'd rather just layer up and then run into wherever i need to go I know. Wow. I know. What if you were stranded someplace, like the Arctic Circle? Well, yes. You took a wrong turn and wound up where the polar well, bears are. Well, that's why we keep a blanket in the car. And I have like a wrap I might put around me, but I don't like, I don't know, I don't like coats. Wow. Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, if you don't have to run, if you don't have to walk, if I were living in a city and I walked a lot of places, sure, I'd be like all about a coat. But since, you know, we even have the seat heaters that, if you keep them on long enough, make you feel like you peed your pants. But um, you you have the seat heater, so I put that on. I got a you know a blanket or something. I'm I'm fine. The heat's good, and you know there you go. You could take we could I could design a bucket, a little maybe a like an incense stencher, uh, and you could take some of the ember embers from the fire that I built for you. I can't imagine that being safe inside a car. Who said anything about safe? Oh, yeah. it's about comfort. <laughs> it's about comfort. It's just like eating kale versus eating you know. <laughs> Biscuits and gravy yeah. or whatever. I do have a funny story about the seat heaters. We rented a car one time, and we didn't really know all the gadgets and everything, and I accidentally hit the seat heater on Glenn's side as he was driving. And he was like, Jenny, what did, what did, what did you do? Oh, my gosh. And it was like he was on fire. And I was like pushing every button. I couldn't. He's like, he's like, Jenny, make it stop. Make it stop. Make it stop. I'm smelling barbecue. Make it stop. Yeah. Next time I build a fire, Jody, I shall sing for you by it, playing my kazoo. <laughs> Why? To make you enjoy it more, to enhance the experience. Enhance the experience. I don't, I don't associate kazoos with winter time. <laughs> Maybe bagpipes. Thanks for listening to Couples, Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. We drop new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month, but to make sure you don't miss a show, follow us wherever fine podcasts are published. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to support the podcast, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating or review. And please visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com. That's couplesincpodcast.com. To learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.